0: welcome back to two homers and a realist this is the midweek pod going into the kansas game we're fired up and excited we're about to take the trip to lawrence it's thursday we're going to leave on friday and be up there partying for the last of the ou kansas games in fact probably the last visit to kansas for an ou team maybe ever i'm steve lucas jay and connor So this midweek pod, of course, is brought to you by Fluke Luke Fishing. That's feel-good fishing content and honest reviews of equipment and tackle. Go to his YouTube channel. Check it out. He's got lots of great content for you to enjoy and maybe some good tips. Maybe you'll catch a big bass with his help. That's Fluke Luke Fishing. Well, guys, we had a poll a couple of weeks ago that said, who's our toughest remaining opponent? And I think that's a real influx situation. The, the poll results, and we agreed with them, was Kansas. I don't know if we'd agree with that today, although we are only a 10-point favorite, 9.5, whatever. Um, it does seem like it'll be a challenging game. The weather's going to probably be a factor. Uh, hopefully not, but you never know. Um, it looks like Oklahoma State's better. UCF gave us a lot of trouble last week. What do you guys think? How, how difficult is this game going to be?
1: I think it's going to be tough. Um, <clears throat> the rain looks like it may not start until after 1 o'clock. Uh, game starts at 11, so you figure that's probably early third quarter. Hopefully, it. the weather's been changing all week long, so hopefully it holds off till after the game, which is something we have to drive through on the way home. But... Um, Dylan Gabriel's Hawaiian. They get a little bit of rain Hawaii, but yeah, it's all, lots of rain. It's warm. It's, it's warm. It's a warm rain. misting rain as they then, go out to surf. Then he went to Orlando and played out there. There's a lot of rain there. Rain there. Subterranean. Another warm rain. Tropical. So, I don't know how many games Dylan Gabriel's played in. I think thirty-seven is the wind chill. I think it's going to be about a ten mile an hour wind, um, and possibility of being wet. So it's going to it's going to be interesting to see how he handles throwing a cold, wet ball. Yeah, it will be. And what Lebby does to alleviate some of our concerns with with the offense in general, hopefully, we can run the ball.
0: Well, that'll be about running the ball, won't it? But
1: yeah. I still don't think we can. <clears throat> I still
2: think? think this game's extremely worrisome. Um, I don't know that they're any worse than Oklahoma State. I, I'm still not that sold on OSU. But I think they're going to be hyped up for it. Lucas mentioned the weather's not going to be very good. Um, For some reason, I always feel like that helps the home team. Uh, We did struggle last week. Offensively, just didn't look that good. The defense, really outside of two or three plays, was was actually really good, I think. Um, But they still had those
0: plays that cost us points. And we gave up big plays to Kansas last Mm -hmm. year, if I remember right. So they scored 42 points on us. We beat them 52-42. And their offense throws a whole lot at you. So. They, they a lot of misdirection, a lot of mo- which misdirection gave us trouble against UCF.
1: A lot of different running schemes too.
0: <clears throat> yeah, that'll be running into pun intended the strength of our defense. But in a in a situation with a wet ground, that can be tricky. If you've got a lot of misdirection, you know where you're cutting and where your direction's going to go much more than the defense. So missed tackles, which we had a lot of in the prior game that could come back as a real trouble point here where you can't get that team help after you miss a tackle. I think it was 16.
1: It was our worst worst performance of the year tackling-wise.
2: I'm a lot more worried offensively than I am defensively. I mean, I think our defense, for the majority of the snaps of the game, will be able to hold their own. But if you don't play complimentary and the offense (laughs) is is stale, then I think it gets real troublesome quick.
3: Yeah, I I think – there's some slight concern from my end as well. I mean, again, I think if, if we can go out there and, and put up points early, um, that crowd, not being used to football in general, I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna take much to take them out of the game. I'm I'm am interested to see the crowd honestly. I, I don't know. I know this is a it's a homecoming game for them, um, which man, is a weird choice. Yeah,
0: That's
1: rude. I'm not used to seeing. It is it is That's a little disrespectful. disrespectful. Um, They announced a sellout today. They announced a sellout. And I was looking at tickets outside of, you know, the ticket companies. And I went to Kansas' website yesterday, and there were still hundreds of tickets available, maybe even a 1,000, because there was about, I want to say, eight sections that still had tickets available from the university. So when Jay pointed out today that they tweeted that they had a sellout, I was really surprised. But you had a
0: good theory on that. But
1: what they could have done is they could have sold, I think their, their sponsor was SeatGeek, so they could have actually sold the tickets cheaper to SeatGeek as a whole for a quote-unquote sellout and then they're going SeatGeek's going through and selling those tickets for cheaper than they were face, face value from the university.
0: And we just purchased our tickets. We got them for for all in uh, uh, tag title and tax $65 each, pretty good seats in the uh, about the 10-yard line on the sidelines. So uh, up, you know, quite a bit for 50 some rows. So there was a lot of availability at pretty good prices. I don't think this is going to be a very strong crowd. I'd be surprised if it's a very strong crowd. And even if it is, between a slow start for Kansas and weather, there's a lot of reasons for them to check out really soon. Last time we were there, um, the, the crowd was extremely weak, but obviously everything changed, and they started inviting everyone in for free as they looked like they might pull the upset, which they didn't. Almost to some, did. Crazy, dramatic, heroics, and other goofiness that went on.
3: Still won by two scores in that game. Won by two scores, (laughs) but of course
0: I criticized Lincoln at the time with those two scores because he really, I thought, um, pushed the envelope on risk in a way that was not very smart, putting us in a position where disaster could have been really, really bad um, or was was definitely possible just for a kind of cosmetic score right there at the end. So it was a close game last time. It was a fairly close game, a, a poorly played game in 2019 after the rain delay. The the crotch grab game in 17, what was that score? We killed we them. Killed we, killed them. them yep. we just destroyed them. So that wasn't an issue.
1: That was a very cold game.
0: And they haven't beaten us since the 90s. If We'll have a tweet that will go out Saturday morning showing the history in this series. We've obviously dominated it. Um, they haven't beaten us in a long, 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 long time. And so that's hopefully something that we can continue with this game here. Well, what other things are you guys hearing about this flu issue? Because that's sort of the the hidden or secret breaking news. Flu is is going through the team, or there's certain players that have been infected. We don't know if they're missing practice. Um, I guess the question would be, what do you do with players who appear to be sick with the flu do you isolate them and tell them here just watch game film and skip practice lest you infect your teammates i know practice is important but at some point that's kind of scary with the incubation period you may be getting it right at the wrong time i'm not sure that
2: they do much of that other Uh, than they might break up the position groups hmm. so that you're not down every linebacker you have
0: Uh, for like
2: for team meeting or or positional meetings or film breakdown
1: um maybe they're masking up
0: yeah Yeah, i'm sure they are yeah i'm sure that'll do a lot for them too um now i don't know it's it it shouldn't matter uh it's kind of interesting to think who might be out um i guess who would you worry about the most and who would you worry about the least in terms of starters by position or maybe by individual player any thoughts on that?
1: I think we're deepest in defensive line. So if we missed one or two defensive line guys, we, we, I think we have enough to plug other guys in, especially the young guys. <clears throat> Maybe PJ gets more time. Um, you know, a couple of the younger defensive linemen. I think offensive line would be a huge hit because we're already down in that position currently.
0: And, and, and kind of struggling a little bit. Yeah. Especially um, if it's like a Guyton or a...
3: <clears throat> a, a uh, Rouse, Rouse, Rouse yeah. will be very bad. Billy Bowman would be. Yeah, I, a, say a Billy. Hit. I mean, just uh, from a veteran standpoint in the, the defensive backfield, I think he provides some sort of, you know, anchorship back there that the that the safeties that play can rely on uh, who are next to him. So I mean, studs is want, an obvious one. Yeah, Stutzman's yep. obvious, we're, we're but we're deep, deep in linebacker. the linebacker position yeah. as well. So I know, but they're still
2: they, you've, you've got the heart of the heart of the defense. With their I'll running be part scheme the team, yeah.
1: being so multiple. It would definitely hurt to be missing linebacker. We can all all agree that filling
3: gaps. We can all agree that we
1: hope it's Schmidt. Schmidt, yeah, as um, a starter. If if we were missing, I heard on one of the pods I was listening to that Elzinga has been kicking (coughs) for practice. He's been kicking field goals also. That's promising. So. We
2: got
3: us a new little uh, Austin Seibert type of yeah. type of guy out there doing punts and uh, oh maybe Stogner's
0: goals. sick and
2: we have to play a fourth wide receiver all game could
0: be a blessing oh, it, it honestly could be a big blessing no no offense to Stogner but we we just have been talking about it for a while we think it we think it'd be very beneficial just in general when you've got an average tight end and you've got above average wide receivers that potentially could could add a lot I'll throw you another semi hot take what if it's Gabriel what if Gabriel can't go and we have to go with Arnold? How confident are we that we can win this game if, if Arnold has to step up and be the man?
1: Well, it depends on what Levy would do in the run game with the quarterback. <clears throat> if you know that your backup going into the game is Davis Bevel, then maybe you don't use Arnold's strengths and let him run the ball, which would really I help guess. our offense. Because Gabriel has uh. been our, was our leading rusher last week. Yeah. He's actually been, since they've incorporated that, our offense has been a
0: little bit better. and To me, that'd be so short-sighted, though. It's like, how often does a quarterback get hurt? What are you doing that you think he's going to get hurt, you know? Like, Gabriel hasn't gotten hurt in what he's done, so, so I guess run that, the offense. I mean,
1: last year he got concussed. I'd say run the offense. But I, I guess twice, kind
3: of. Quantify it. So, what if I if I could gauge it, and Steve, to your question, like confidence-wise, with Gabriel, I'm... confident that we win this game. If we go to Arnold, I probably move that to 75 or 80%. I still think it's a really, really good chance. That'd be similar. I'd be similar. We've talked
1: about the floor between the two being pretty similar. No, that may be different now.
0: Their, their floors may be a little different now if because Gabriel's Arnold. done, well, not just that, but Gabriel's done better and has more experience this year. Yeah. So I would say he's maybe elevated his floor almost certainly above where Arnold's is. But the catch-up, it may be a one-game catch-up and that floor is at the same level and the ceiling obviously is higher with and Arnold. And I look at
3: this as the as the opponent as well, right? Like if this is the issue that we're having going into Bedlam, the percentages are different. Like if I'm... 85% yeah. on Gabriel with Bedlam, I'm probably more like 65% with Arnold the, starting
0: in Bedlam. The only thing, I want Jay to weigh in on this too, but uh, before that, the only thing to think about there is, what if we were on the other side of the ball? What do we hate to see? We hate to see the backup. We get prepared for the right guy, and then they bring in this guy who's got a different skill set, and we're not prepared for it. If we could utilize it properly, what we... S- what what I tend to be the, the ca- or think is the case is Arnold can throw the ball deeper a lot better. Yeah. Um, they may not be prepared for a guy who can throw the ball the way he can throw the ball. So and he's obviously not scared to
3: tuck it and run either. He, he has
0: to yeah so. he may he may jump out and get three quick scores on him and it doesn't matter if they adjust to it. I mean I think it's a bit of a would be a rough
2: spot for your first start. I mean oh, it's certainly. a decent team. It's going to be cold.
0: Have you uh, seen the moxie it's on, on the road? That
2: kid? He can handle it, but it's probably not an
0: ideal first start. <clears throat> what is an ideal first start? Arkansas State at, yes, home? at home. Yeah, probably so. Um, I well, don't. I, at the end of the day, I don't think we see
3: a big impact. Honestly, I mean, even the one start, I'm, I'm hoping. Maybe I'm being optimistic. I, who knows what the flu is doing right now as we speak to the team, and who came down with symptoms today, and who's having to deal with it. Um, I, I am glad that we got the news today. No excuses and not from them tomorrow. Right.
0: So. so, a couple of questions, and we got a healthcare expert in Jay here, so oh, he can help us out. I know just about um, 1% of everything. So, um, it, that's an infinite percent more than yep. what we know. Um, two thoughts on it. One, do you think they got the flu shot? I haven't heard if, if the flu shot is supposedly effective of, of, against this strain. And that's, it's kind of funny that we always have to guess about the flu shot versus getting all the variants and, and cut out the, the uncertainty. But if you either did or didn't get the flu shot team wide, would you strategically try to expose your team on, say, a Saturday or a a Friday, thinking that with incubation, it'll hit them midweek and then they'll be back up to speed and you'll get it through your cycle? Or do you try to Keep yourself safe. What do you try to do there?
2: Um, well, I think you try to avoid the flu at all costs, no matter what. I don't think there's any good time to get the flu when you're talking about it being a competitive football team. I'm just but assuming
0: you're going to get it. If assuming you're going to get it?
2: Yeah. Is that,
0: is that a bad assumption? Assuming
3: Maybe. it's going to be an issue
0: within the team, which it seems know, like I've it is right now. <clears throat> knock on wood, I couldn't tell you the last time I had the flu. Um, but you're a kind of a man of steel when it comes to your, sure. your, your bodily health. Um, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think yeah. you're you're certainly right. It's just an interesting concept of this—the fear that you're going to get the flu anyway. Might as well. I guess if you, you could get it on your turn. I guess
2: all I could say is is maybe you want to get it all at once, kind of out of the way.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think that's a a, a <laughs> false. Uh, I, I'm I'm doing a little tongue and cheek on that, but it it's a it's an interesting little uh, thought process. Well, what other things do we think schematically we're going to do to? Um, prepare ourselves and position ourselves to be more competitive in this game offensively than what we were in the prior game? Is it just execution, or do we have to come up with some some really different concepts um, of what we're lining out there on the field?
2: I don't think Kansas is good enough for us to, to change doing what we do. We just need to do it better, yeah. more consistent and more...
3: I think we saw a glimpse of it in the last drive, right? Yeah. With what we've all been wanting to see from the running game. Um, I mentioned it after the game last week. I mentioned it pre-pod today in our video. Um, if that is the Gavin Sawchuk that we're going to be getting, where we see him running, getting yards after contact, yeah, um, there were
1: huge holes in that last drive. And Malzahn came out after the game and said that his guys were definitely wore yeah. down on those last two drives. Yeah, and. Obviously our pace has a little bit to do do with that, even though we've talked lots of times that we don't always love that pace. But they weren't the only holes we had all game. We
3: opinion.
0: had goals they that yeah, we had we had goals. You we, were sitting we, in the correct seats to be able we to We had see holes the, they didn't the they didn't find. So the we gaps didn't have, were there.
3: We didn't have running lanes the first three quarters of the game. Not much.
1: Not from the end I'll zone, just die on this hill
2: that whoever we whoever we put back there, just give the guy run. Twenty carries. You know, let him, let him just go. let him go. Just let him do what he's going to do, whether it's successful or not. Give somebody a chance to show themselves and get in the pace of the game. Get used to the hits. Get used to the weather. Get used to all of it, and just see what they can do. I think.
1: I think this game we see more outside running than we've seen the rest, of the previous seven games of the season. Um, I, I think our strength is running towards the receivers, blocking, and we've got guy saw Chuck's fast enough to get out there. Uh, Toby Walker, to me, is your running down the middle guy because he always falls for the extra yardage. Um, I don't think Major should be playing in, less of, in case of injury, but I think this is the game we, we see more outside running.
0: Do, do you think that – I didn't really have a chance to really look and break it down – did we get more straightforward? I'm going to call it simple in our line blocking and have success as a result of that at the end of the game, or was it just that they were worn down? Um,
1: I think when Savion Bird went in there, it made an upgrade over Schaefer, and that, in conjunction with the the line, the defensive line wearing out for UCF, we've got to get the, made difference. We've
3: got to get the consistency with Bird and with our inside offensive linemen. In my opinion, I mean. They're going to make or break a lot of the run plays that we have because, Lucas, to your point, we haven't been running a lot of outside uh, schematics with our run game. I think if we're going to continue on the path that we're on, we've got to get better at the in the interior of that line. And because we saw, we saw Bird completely whiff on a block, which he got pulled for early in the game, and then he comes back in in those last couple drives and looks like a completely different offensive lineman. So I don't know if it's a... You have to teach him a lesson early on to get his best out of him. I hope that's not the case. Because he's – there's. look at the guy. He, there's no reason he should be bad. There's no yeah. reason he should be missing the blocks that he's missing, especially against a UCF team who is one of the worst run defensive teams in the nation. So if you can get his best or close to his best uh, on that side and then Caden Green continues to grow and develop like he needs to on the other side – um we're we're talking this to death. We have talked about it all season. But I mean, it, there's yeah. no reason we shouldn't be where we need to be with the run game.
2: I would say slightly off topic, but you know, halfway through our season or maybe a little more than halfway through the regular season, I'm I am absolutely shocked at our run game. I'm not going to lie. Me too. I I thought we were going to come in and that was going to be the bread and butter. I, we I all thought did. we were going to lean on Barnes we and Sawchuck all did. and the line just be able to move people and have easy play action pass. I thought we
0: we're going to run with 300 yards a game. Is is our lack of or our, the times we've seen success to to turn around on my question before? Do we just need to keep our pace up so that eventually the run game gets there by wearing teams down? I, do I don't we, like relying on that because by the fourth then, quarter it's because then late. we're worn down too though. Like with it's the pace true. like we've talked about, like
3: our our offensive linemen get worn down early as well. So I don't know where that balance is at and. It's almost like, hey, the offensive linemen need to stay a little bit extra after practice for some conditioning because they're going to be doing the bulk of the, the lifting on that side of the ball. Um, I would they're, love, exerting, they're exerting the most effort out of anybody. I would so. love to
2: see the analytics <laughs> on yards per carry when we take our time, mm-hmm. run a play, <clears throat> versus, versus a hurry up and quick snap.
1: Well, we, we showed it last game. Because we were in that in-between zone we talked about with and we had six success. minutes to go in the game or whatever, and yep. we actually kind of huddled up a little bit <laughs> and then took our time and were snapping the ball inside of 10 seconds and not doing the hurry up, and that's when we had our most success running the ball. Well, well think, yeah. go ahead,
0: think about when any time you've done something... We've played that way for Florida State, too. Yeah. And think about anytime you've done something athletic or just when you're doing hard work. If you try to rush yourself from task to task, you will... Wear yourself out really quickly, and you'll make mistakes. But if you just take a second to catch your breath, and I don't mean more than a second, you can really get yourself together and execute better. You
2: no, know, I also wonder too. You know, when you line up and you give yourself that much time, it gives the center time to call out players and call out checks and call out um, your different to really see what's in front of you. And I wonder what it. I wonder what they're taught when it's that hurry up. Yeah, just like, hit a guy. Like, who's your guy? Like, where's, like, are we missing?
0: Uh-huh. Is That's that where, where a disconnect is at? Yeah. Yeah. And it only takes one.
3: Yep. But there's a balance, too, as well. I mean, I think the, the most frustrating part for me watching this offense over the last two seasons has been we'll get a big play, uh, a first down, chunk yardage, we're running that tempo, running that tempo, get up to the line, and immediately run just a draw, and it gets stuffed for a no gain, a tackle for loss, or a one-yard gain and it completely just stops that momentum Put you on, on first down. You're not winning first down, and that's something that Venables has preached. You've got to win on first and second down. Winning on first down is very, very key. When you're in a second and long, and you're scrambling for yards every possession because you're getting stuffed at the line like we are, I think you can balance the tempo within a drive to say, hey, if we get a, a first down and we get six yards and we're in second and four, yeah, let's run this tempo. Let's get up to the line. We only have four yard. We have two plays to get four yards, essentially. I like that a lot more than stopping momentum when draw plays aren't working or run plays aren't working on first and
0: 10. Well, that makes me think of something that I was talking about with a friend today. So we've got kicking game lows. We know that. We can't rely on the field goal kick that you normally could expect, it it seems, we can't rely on that. Um, It's going to be even worse in a wet, cold environment on the road. That can't be any better. Kicking off an unfamiliar surface that's an artificial field, that's going to be different. Does that give you a reason to think about it from a game planning standpoint of, hey, let's go into this with the attitude that we're going to go for it on fourth a lot, and not just in the obvious positions. Like, if you had the 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 analytics if you had the algorithms and you could tweak your field goal percentage down and if you moved it down five or ten percentage points and say that the likelihood of making it's less that would change the analytics to go for it a lot of times that it otherwise wouldn't and if you know you're going for it that could change your decision making of everything you do going into it you can pass on first and second down third and seven is a totally different down and if they don't know you're going to do that, they're not prepared for the fact that you're willing and to able to do that.
2: At this point, anything over a 30-yard field goal, I'd go for it. Yeah, yeah and I think it midfield field in a tough situation or, or a
0: pooch punt, yeah. which would be a great option call of line up and just have Gabriel look over and signal one is pooch punt, signal two is run the play. And if they lined up in a way that you think you can take advantage of it, you go for it on fourth and four. If not kick the ball and make them do something he can kick the ball deep enough they're not going to have a play on it it's, Well, no return guy yeah, yeah no return it's going to be in good so i i would wish they'd look at it that way it's so non-traditional i don't know if they would but at this point you can't i and i don't think you can rely on the kicking game any in any normal sense so we did play a game like this last
3: year actually thinking back to it uh we went on the road at West Virginia in a very cold, very wet game that day as well. And looking at the stat line. Um, Offense Ga- played well. Uh, uh, Offense our did our, our run game did great. Yeah, Dylan Gabriel was 16 for 27 mm. for 185. Not great. Eric Gray carries the team with 25 carries for 211 yards. It was
0: the defense that couldn't get a stop. Yeah.
3: And I think that's a game. I think Mims dropped an obvious touchdown early in the game um, in that game. But, well, they went on like a
1: six-minute drive to ice the game yeah. and ba- to beat us ba- with a field goal, Back too. to the
3: kicking woes, I mean, that's, we can look back. That's where the trouble started for Zach Schmidt is Venables throwing him out there to try to tie the game and uh, kicks like a, tries to kick like a 50-something yarder, I think, or a 40-something yarder in the cold, wet, windy uh, environment, and Schmidt misses it. And it essentially, that's when it goes field. down. Gives a, yeah, yeah, I guess the game was tied. We were trying to go ahead and gives West Virginia the short field to go win it. So um, hopefully games like that can transfer over but and, and we can build on that experience. And Steve, to your point, hopefully the coaches are looking that, at, at that and are learning from it as well.
0: I would hope so. So is there a way to be generous or charitable and say that with our rushing game woes, it's not as bad as it seems because with as many passes behind the line of scrimmage as we make, should we count those as running plays? We talk about oh, not a lot of getting our passes the, or run plays for sure. And we're not getting the ball out wide like you're saying Lucas, but we are when we pass the ball. And so is that really our version of the running game wide is to pass the ball out into space. I'm not saying that it's a great substitute, but maybe that's how they look at
1: yeah, it. Yeah, I think we could see Petaway more in this game. We've talked about it since one of the couple of the early games when he did get quite a few passes caught early and then we the, first, four, the first game of the season. Four games without seeing him, essentially. Yeah. But um, I, I think this is a week that you could use that as your running game on the little um, you know, receiver in motion, him coming out of the slot. Every, a lot of guys are going to be focused on Stoops because he's the go-to third down guy. But say you don't have Stogner in there, you got four okay. wide with, uh, let's say, Farouk, Anderson, Stoops in the slot, and then you've got Petaway running either next to Stoops yeah. In that slot, or on the other side in the slot, and you've got these three-yard passes that turn into eight-yard catches, you know, stuff yeah. like that, that. That that can move the chains. But I I have a a key factor that I, that I hadn't thought about until we started this pod. How many road games this season have we seen our guys slip? Yeah, we had was t- Cincinnati was bad. Cincinnati's really t- bad. Tulsa seems like Tulsa there was some really slips. bad. Um, Both artificial t- uh, fields. Both artificial Sur- fields. Surfaces. It seems like our equipment staff isn't before the game getting our guys the right cleats or maybe they're just not running the correct way which sounds silly but you do have to run you have to cut differently on turf especially if it's gonna be wet turf than you do on your home grass field that you you know yep. used to practicing on that type of surface so is that a factor in this game that we really haven't thought about that could could be an issue if our equipment department doesn't Step up like they need to. It just yeah. seems like you'd be able to figure that out. In pre-game,
0: you yeah. think so? Now, and obviously, if we're in the Ever Center, we're we're on artificial turf, and I don't know if it's the same or a completely different turf, and if it, it it's definitely not wet. So those are those are very I mean, legitimate. Since and Tulsa weren't wet either. No, but they were We weren't. still had problems. Slipped a like, lot.
1: I just don't know if I had the wrong length of studs or or what the deal was, but we commented. I remember sitting in the end zone in Tulsa saying, why are guys slipping all the time? Yep. And then we watched the game at home against Cincinnati, and we see guys slipping again. So I don't know. Hopefully that's going to be addressed and not a factor in this game.
0: It, it would be something that you, you wonder. There's only so much a human can look at and, and see even expert eyes like the coaches have. And how much of when they're looking at game film do they even – cut and show you, oh yeah, and by the way, this guy slipped. Oh yeah, and by the way, this guy on the other side of the field slipped. They don't necessarily see that. So I see opportunities that they may not be recognizing what's going on um, in terms of equipment failure or problems that we might see that they don't see. Um, that, That very well could be a case. You know, another thing, thinking about game film and preparation. Now, obviously, when you're talking about Oklahoma, you're talking about someone that if you're in this conference, you've got to be devoting a lot of effort and resources to game film and, and preparation. I don't think anybody's going to the extent of Michigan on this deal, but they, it, it would be, it'd be interesting to know if Petaway in particular is somebody who's sort of off the radar. Because we know about him, we've seen him, we're excited about him, but do they see? they don't have a lot of film on him. They don't know. And so could he be a secret weapon that you introduce along with some other guys? That the U.S. don't have a lot of preparation for those guys. You haven't seen a lot of, like, so you're out there and you're saying, well, we know about Stoops, we know about Gibson, we know about Anderson. For You, know, you better know about Anderson, you know, Mr. Two-out-of-three-is-a-touchdown. Um, what do they do? Uh, so, so I don't know. I, I'm wondering if, um, if maybe that is a secret weapon that, that could be introduced that if we effectively use it, that at least for a few plays, it catches them off guard.
3: Yeah, I I hope so. I mean, I think that I definitely think that can play a role, right? I mean, there's there's only so much that these teams know.
0: Well, I don't know. I think that it's it's something to consider that that you could have some guys that we know are really talented, that we've only seen a little bit on the field and in really throwaway games where you're not spending a lot of time as a as a staff, focusing on that in terms of preparation that you you can exploit some some talent that we've got that maybe people aren't aren't picking up on
3: and I definitely think there's that with Petaway is a great example you mentioned uh Nick Anderson earlier as well or and I think I still think there's a lot of quote-unquote unknown about Nick Anderson with other teams as well I mean yeah his touchdown to catch ratio is amazing and everything else, we know he can go and make plays down the field. Um, I think we're just scratching the surface of what he's going to be. I got another guy we really haven't seen a lot of is Jaden Gibson. Uh-huh. A- another guy who can stretch defenses out. Um, great height. Great height. <clears throat> so all it takes is one one or two things or one or two plays drawn up for these guys that teams aren't used to to really bust something wide open. So I'm a, I'm a Petaway apologist and homer. I, I want to see him a lot. Um, I think this is a great opportunity to do that, especially in a game where you are going to have to deal with the elements. You're going to have to um, be taking care of a lot of different things, both offensively and defensively. I think he's just something that could maybe set a different pace than, than what not only we're used to, but definitely what Kansas and, and the opponents going to be used to as well.
0: So switching gears, I don't have to ask Jay, although we'll get Jay's uh, weigh in on this because he's the expert, you know, Kansas In terms of recruiting, they don't have a lot of depth. They don't have uh, the luxury of filling a lot of positions with talent. They've got to pick and choose where they focus their efforts. We should be able to find some areas to exploit. And you look at the depth of their defense, I can't imagine there's a lot of depth and talent there. In terms of both, we can wear them down as well as we can just exploit a weak position if we know what we're looking for. I would like to see us be able to do that offensively and get some success at least at the end of the game, towards the end of the game as they get worn down, but maybe from the get-go if we can identify some, some weak areas position-wise for them. Jay, where do they typically fall in recruiting, just generally speaking? I know you don't follow Kansas recruiting real directly.
2: Um, they've been doing better on the Leipold. He's I I think he's a really good coach, potentially maybe the lead guy for the Michigan State football job, um, which I think would be a huge loss for Kansas. Yeah. Um they fall in that, you know, forty to sixty range, forty to seventy range. Um very rarely is there a guy on their team that is somebody that we wanted. Um not that that doesn't mean they can't be a good football players sure uh i think they're coached up real well kind of a blue blue collar team that always plays above what their rankings say chip on the shoulder for sure and usually they're a team that has slightly older players just it takes
0: for what it's worth three
2: or four years for them to get on the field and then they stay their full length of time of availability. And
0: that's an asset. You're right. That, that's a good point. It's, and what we'll face definitely against BYU and what in the past we've faced against Oklahoma State. I don't know where Oklahoma State stands today in that regard with as decimated as they were by the transfer portal, it seems. But that that's a good point that that older experience and maturity might really help in a way that will overcome some otherwise uh talent deficiencies and other yeah the past couple
2: years you know they've actually had some dudes on the football team that you're like man this guy's plays for kansas like but right now i don't think they have any of those guys outside of what would be their starting quarterback who's yeah hasn't played all season um the running backs are pretty good um they're just a well there's nobody on defense that just wows you like
0: we should be able to move them with our line uh do you think there's some distraction from a coach like Leopold when he's potentially a pretty big candidate for great jobs that he has at this point in the season? He's got to be thinking about some things um, that may distract him, or do you think he's professional enough that he sets that aside and focuses on what he needs to do? Um, it's probably human nature that you can't help but have it distract you a little
2: bit. Yeah. But I don't know how much he's really in talks. I don't know if he's having to fly out on a Tuesday after practice to go talk to somebody in Michigan state or whatever. But so I don't know how much
3: you can really quantify that.
2: I hope, I hope he is. Yeah. I, I agree. I think
3: a lot of their success is through up. him. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, think. I think a lot of what they do and, and what they play for is because of the way that he's coached his team up. And if he's been slightly checked out, which I, I doubt he has been, but if there is that I, I wouldn't mind latching onto that as some sort of uh, potential advantage for sure. They've also had a bye
0: week. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. Do you think that helps them a lot? Helps them a little? It didn't help us last week. I think it may have hurt us (laughs) celebrating so much out of a big win. I don't know. Then again, traditionally, it helps you. you. As much trouble as UCF gave us, it would have been hard to get focused on preparation any quicker than we we did. We probably needed it. Plus, it was to our advantage. It came where it came at the season where we could rest a little bit and get get a little healthier um, getting healthy is important uh, staying healthy is important it's, it's one of the few things that you can count on when you're you're trying to have, find success is to be healthy it's almost kind of a lock on being success and speaking of locks let's transition to the locks of the week
1: the realest deal locks of the week
0: so, locks of the week. Uh, I think some of us took a break on, on doing well. Others decided it was a wake-up call and they were going to do really good. Lucas, how'd you do last week?
1: Um, you were
0: 0-3 the week before. How'd was, you do last week?
1: I, I got them back. I you got, good? Yeah, I went 3-0. Uh, Damn. So that makes me 500 over the last two weeks. That's what, what, does that, it, what does that bring my that's percentage how that works. up to?
0: Fifty nine percent. You are tied with Connor, who's also won fifty nine percent of his picks.
1: I'll take that at this point.
0: I would take it too because I'm at a lowly forty three percent, and our friend Jay is right there with us at forty one percent. I was zero gosh. and three last week. Jay was zero and three. Connor was two and one. That's five and seven as a group overall. We are 54, 53 and one. That's right at about fifty percent. That ain't great, boys. Um. Well, let's see if we can turn that around for some of us and keep the momentum going for the others. Who wants to start us off with their locks of the week?
3: Let's start off with Jay. He's going to have a big week.
0: Come on, week Jay. What do you week. got? Big, big, week. big week this week. Here we big go. Big week. I'm taking Oregon
2: minus six and a half over Utah. Okay. Um,
0: Let down st- game for Utah. Well,
2: I still think Utah is punching a little bit above their weight. Um, they're just a scrappy team. They're a good team. Uh, they're playing like their third different quarterback, which is even more embarrassing for USC to lose. Uh, Oregon had the week off. I just think I think they can come out.
3: Since I got it under a touchdown, I feel pretty good about Oregon it. Oregon played last week. They did? They played uh, Washington State. Yeah. A, they battled early and then stretched out the lead in the second half. Well, that's why I'm 0-3. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's all right. It's okay. 0-6, actually. Sorry. 0-6 great. <laughs>
2: Um, I'm going to (laughs) take Iowa State minus one and a half over Baylor. I think Iowa State's turning into a decent little football team. And Baylor looks like trash most of the time. My last one is going to be Colorado plus 16 and a half. Just feels like too many points. Who are they playing? UCLA.
0: That's right. UCLA is kind of – Chip Kelly – I don't know what to make of them. I really thought they were going to be a better team at this point. He's, what, six years in to that job? Um, Hadn't found the same magic he Has had not it. found the rhythm. And I guess it's, it's probably difficult to recruit and play in UCLA because it's such an ugly, uh, difficult environment and place, and, you know, there's no beautiful people or beautiful thing. No, where's the excuse, man? Come on. Well, he's going to have to figure it out soon because he
3: will get ran <laughs> through in the Big Ten. If he keeps on the path. They're not a bad team, but they're they're nothing what they should be with with Chip Kelly. Defensively, they stand a better
2: chance
0: in the Big Ten than USC does right now. That's true. This is true. This is a true statement. All right, I'll go next. You know, I liked Washington last week giving 26.5, and and I did not win that bet. So I like Washington again at 26.5 against Stanford. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna double down and try to do that again and, and see if they can win. Stanford's really really bad. They're not good at football. I don't you know they're good at protest and maybe math, but they're not good at football. Um, I like Penn State giving thirty two and a half to Indiana. Now that's a team that is not good at football, and I'm counting on it. Penn State given a lot of points, but the last time I gave a lot of points, um, they, they they covered for me. So I I, I like my maybe chances there. Maybe a little ticked off too. Maybe a little ticked off, and, and they got a lot to play for. And then I got Florida State at nineteen and a half against Wake Forest, uh, giving up nineteen and a half to to the, the the team that's really more of a basketball team in Wake Forest. They had a flash in the pan a couple of years ago. I think that Florida State needs to get things going if they're going to get somewhere um, in this in this race to try and get to the college football playoff, and it's going to take good solid wins against teams like that. So I got I got Florida State.
3: I'll go next. We'll let, the, we'll let the big man on campus go last to round yeah. us off. Um, I've also got Iowa State uh, giving one and a half against Baylor. Does that uh, worry you? It does a little bit now. <laughs> um, it didn't before, but now I'm a little concerned. No, that line has actually moved in uh, – I got this when it was one and a half. That line's actually moved to three, I believe, um, in Iowa State's favor. Um, next, I've got Tennessee giving three and a half against Kentucky. I think Tennessee bounces back after what was an extremely disappointing second half uh, in Tuscaloosa last weekend. Um, I don't. I think Kentucky's just going to do what Kentucky usually does and fizzle out. Uh, and another y- basketball program. Yeah. So uh, I like Mark Stoops, but I don't think I don't think they're great. Uh, and then I've got North Carolina in a bounce back game, giving eleven and a half to Georgia Tech. Um, that game against Virginia. I don't. I think everybody nationally and especially in that that part of the country is asking themselves how that happened. I mean, what we say we said. Uh, Old Dominion beat Virginia earlier in the year, I think, um, and Virginia comes out and beats the the number ten team in the nation. So
1: I've got North Carolina bouncing back against Georgia Tech. I've got UCF minus six and a half against West Virginia. They get to go home after. A moral victory, I guess, at OU. They were they were underdogs by 21 points and kept it close and you know, played us pretty well. Mm-hmm. I think having their quarterback back will help them a lot, and I don't think West Virginia is very good. So I got uh, UCF minus 6.5. I've got Oklahoma State minus 7 against Cincy. Cincy has a pretty good front line on defense, but OSU has the running game rolling right now with Ollie Gordon, who I think is – Probably the best running back in the Big 12. Um, the Texas kid, Brooks, is pretty good. but I think I don't know. If you look at it for Gordon's what he's running rolling.
0: behind and what he's got to work with, yeah. it's hard to say Ollie's not the best. I
1: mean, and watching him, as much as it pains me, it, it's fun to watch him run the ball. He's big, man. He's had t- couple 200 yard <laughs> he's a couple 200-yard games this season. Um, he's built to where he can run over people, but he's also fast enough to break away from people.
0: And you know what he also gets? He gets more than, like, five carries a game. He yeah. gets the carries. They feed
1: him the ball.
3: He gets well, I think, I think last week carries. they said he was the only running back for Oklahoma State to touch the ball.
1: Wow. So, well, I mean, he's their best player. I mean, yeah, but, on, but on still, either side, it. He's, he's the best player on key. the team. That's
0: key to get, get your rhythm, yeah.
1: And then I've got uh, Tulane minus 10.5 against Rice. Um, Tulane has to go to Rice. That's a short trip for them. Um, but I think Tulane's playing pretty well, and – I had rice earlier in the season, and they screwed me. So it's a good reason to go against them. So those are my three locks. Those are
0: good locks. I hope you're three and I hope we're all three and oh. No contradictions um, this week. That's good. Yep, that's it right. That's that's, that's going to be something that'll help us maybe. Um, we do have one double down, of course, uh, with you guys with the Iowa State. Well, let's talk about this this game with the Sooners and a score prediction. I've got a score prediction, and I'm going to preface it with this is a realistic score prediction. But it's also what I think we need to do if we're going to be a national contender. We need to have this type of a score against Kansas. Um, now, weather can screw this up. Um, weather can make that, you know, the, the over-under is 65, and that very well may be high for the weather. Who knows? You know, you get into the, the end of the first quarter, and you say, well, there's no way they're going to get there because of the, the nature of what's going on in the game, plus the weather slowing it down. I don't know what Kansas's point of view is going to be, if they're going to try to shorten the game, and that could interfere with me hitting my numbers here. But I think if we execute, we can do this. 42-17 to 17 is my prediction for the Sooners.
1: I've got 35-21, and I'm, a lot of it is I think Kansas will try to slow the game down with their run game being so multiple looks and they can do a lot of different things <clears throat> running the ball, which is – to our strength, because we do do a good job stopping the run, but uh, I think they throw so many things at you that they will pick up some yardage on the ground. Well, I do, too. And I've only got a score in 35, partially because of the shorter, you know, less possession time for us, but also I'm still not sold on Jeff Levy doing anything creative enough to score a lot of points against a decent team.
2: I'll go 34-27. OU. OU. I don't want to be sweating that out in the stands. Tight game.
3: I think we'll be sweating this game out. Tight game. One touchdown. I've got us at 38-24, uh, to 24, um, and I think that score is closer than what it feels like when we're there in the stands. I think I think we jump out early. I have that expectation. Um, and I think we get to that 38, and Kansas gets a couple of uh, late scores uh, to, to make it look presentable from their end. Steve, I'm with you. I think I really hope I'm incorrect. I I, I would love to keep this game under 20 points um, for Kansas. And I think it's, and I'd love to see us go past the 35 mark for sure. Uh, I'd love to get into the 40s, especially with the weather and everything else at play. Um, But it it goes back to exactly what you said. I I think for us to be considered nationally, even a, a playoff contender at this point, um, it's going to be really important for us to go in and take care of business um, like those elite national teams do um, the Georgias of the world the Michigans of the world um, even to an extent the Alabama where they turn on the Jets in the second half uh, last week against a, a pretty good Tennessee team and don't make that game look close so um, we need uh, we need the we need the big win and I'd love to see a, a bigger spread than what I'm predicting but
0: I've got us 38-24 so I said last week and the week before my hope is that in the next what was then 6 games now 5 games we can get to a point where we're putting opponents away giving our starters rest and I don't know if this game will present that type of an opportunity just like you say Connor that's important for us to have success down the stretch to rest players and have control of games, to show that we can control the situation. It's both an indication of how good you are, as well as your just ability to get rest and get other guys valuable experience that will work, not just to your advantage this year, but also in in the coming year in the SEC. So that's important and something I'm hoping for and looking for. Something that we've talked about a lot, maybe not necessarily on the pod, but amongst ourselves, is how we've recognized that the stress at USC with them going late into games with their starters has to wear and tear on them a lot. And now we're in a position where we're seeing some wear and tear going late into the game with starters at U- against UCF. I don't want to see us in the same ballpark where we've got games we should be putting away and ending that we're not, and we're having to focus more on a game and keep those starters in late in that game. So I think that's kind of critical in terms of where we can go, how healthy and strong we're going to be in a conference championship if we get there, if we get wherever we get into the postseason, maybe a playoff contender. If we're going to have success there, we're going to have to have some rested players and probably some backups with good, not just confidence for themselves, but play, but the coaches understand what they can do and how they can utilize them.
3: A couple of quick notes on Kansas here. Um, so in all of their victories this year, they've scored over 30 points. Um, their one loss against Texas, uh, they get beat 40 to 14. We've played two common opponents, one in Texas and then the other one in UCF. Given UCF was down their starting quarterback when they played Kansas, um, Kansas beats UCF 51 to 22. Um, so I mean, it's a, it's a team that can put up points. I don't know if they've faced a defense outside of Texas. Uh, they haven't. They have not played a defense outside of Texas's defense. That's the caliber of defense that we have. Um, I heard an interesting quote this week. Uh, trying to, do- we haven't talked a whole lot about defense, so I'll just tidbit it here. Someone defining our defense as a a, a boomer bust. It, it wasn't a. They look like this. It was. We are a boomer bust defense. I don't really. I'm not really aligned with that. I know we've given up some some big plays, but it's not. <laughs> it's not at the level where I'm saying we're, we're having just as many busts as we are um, quote unquote boom plays. Right. So I think we're, I think defensively it's an opportunity for us to really say, I mean, we have what the, the 14th best scoring defense in the nation, something like that. Um, so I, I don't want I don't, I don't think we can pigeonhole this group as a boomer bust defense. I think we are pretty technically sound and we show some, some, shortfalls occasionally, especially on on balls over the top and in the middle of the field. And I think that can be cleaned up. And I think this is a good opportunity against a good quarterback in Bean um, to show that we're not going to be giving up those big plays over the top to him and let us letting him stretch us out like like he has seemingly pretty often against some of these other lesser teams.
0: Yeah, I'd say if we give up big plays like that, <clears throat>
3: we could be in real trouble real mm-hmm. fast. We're gonna be in the J situation when we're really sweating it out. Yeah, And I don't wanna get in that situation. We saw that, I mean, two years ago when we were there, when they let all those fans in and they showed up when they said they opened the gates, that, mm-hmm. that place was rowdy. And those fans are, they suck. I mean, <laughs> they're right behind, the, the student section's right behind the, the OU bench.
0: And they, they get their say in. So, um, again, you know, I, if, just put it away. If it's like it was in 2021, this is going to sound like a knock against Gabriel. And it's really just a relative knock because you're talking about one of the best players in college football in comparison. If we're down and we need or if we're close and we need a first down... You don't have a Caleb Williams that can pull out some magic. In fact, Caleb Williams can't necessarily pull out magic. That was an amazing thing he did in a weird situation. And he
3: looked bad a lot of that game.
0: And and so if you're down and you're relying on, on Gabriel to come through, I know he came through in Texas, and, and that was tremendous. That was awesome. That was something for, for the legends and the memories. But you can't depend on that all the time. Almost nobody can pull that off. You're not going to get another Tom Brady-like. Performance in some kind of a comeback, especially in a game, at least it seems like anytime that we're in a game against a lesser opponent, you just don't see that. You just don't see the team rise to that occasion. It's almost like not all 11 players on the field take it serious enough to know they have got to get it done. They wait and rely on someone else to get that done. So it really scares me if we get into a situation like that, that we won't be able to overcome that. And you'll be saying, you can't drive the ball. T- 40 yards to get a field goal against Kansas, and yet you can drive it down to get a touchdown against Texas. Well, yeah, that's sort of the nature of it sometimes. That's how it goes. And
3: that's what's frustrating is, is over the past few years, we've gotten into conference play, and it's like, oh, we're in conference play now. Every game is going to be these exciting, nail-biting <laughs> uh, performances where I just have no desire for that anymore. We're a better team. We have we have better players than the other teams. We have better coaching than the other teams. There's no reason whatsoever that this should be a dogfight. I don't care how good Kansas is this year or, or how much they've improved over the past couple of years. There's no excuse for us not to go in there, take care of business, and move on to a really big Bedlam game the next week.
0: And that is interesting. It's Bedlam next week. I don't think it's anything we're looking forward to in terms of like overlooking Kansas, but it doesn't get easier out of this um, for sure. So it's something you want to see some, some, some building blocks and hitting new plateaus. I got a listener question from Brett, and this is a little off-topic, but, but also kind of interesting. So USC, looking at the Trojans and all their woes and their, their, the goofiness going on, and we hate-watch them with, with much glee, let's suppose they lose two of their next four games. Their next four opponents are California... If I get this right in order, I hope so. Washington, Oregon, and UCLA. Correct. If they lose, if I told you they were going to lose exactly two games, which two games would you choose for them to lose as a hate watcher?
3: As a hate watcher? Yeah. I'll let someone else answer before I answer.
0: Here's my answer, and see if you guys disagree with this. I want to see them lose California and UCLA. I want to see them lose a game that's very losable. It's losable on paper just because of the nature of the team and how they're playing, plus they're only 10-point favorites, and we're worried that Kansas could give us a game, and we're a 10-point favorite. So very much so, California could give them trouble going on the road. Lincoln Riley's been sick with pneumonia. He's missed practices. They're sort of in disarray. They've got a lot of, I I think, inner turmoil going. You know what's hard about that for them? It's not just their head
1: coach missing practice. It's their offensive coordinator missing practice. That's a great point. Coach. Lincoln is great the point. only person that calls plays. Yeah. Um, he he does all the hand signals into the quarterback. And so it's going to be very interesting if something really bad, and he, if he can't coach in this game, what are they going to do, offensive coordinator? They're trying to – they're or they're petitioning the NCAA or something to get Kingsbury out of the analyst role. Did that happen? I mean, that – it's
0: it's I Thursday. Saw, that either saw, happened or didn't
3: happen. I saw an ex post where it says it happened. I don't know. And again, I don't, we're don't know. trying to get him on as an assistant coach. I don't know how much of something. that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know
1: how much of that for is. the game. What, so he what's could going call on? plays. Yeah. I, don't I don't. know. I don't know. It's a really weird situation. So we're. Th- but that's the biggest. Yeah. It's, it's not absolutely. the head coaching part. It's he's their offensive coordinator. That's a great point. And and it's going to be because if, if, when they show him on the sideline, he's. Signaling in the plays to Caleb and they've got a second hand with each other because this is the third year they've been working together. Yeah. And so it'll be very crazy if, if he can't be there for some. So the reason
0: time. I say that's my my evil, I wish they'd do it that way, because I imagine the the <laughs> the USC fans and how they'd feel about, oh my God. The two opponents we worried about to get back into the hunt of everything we had to beat them, and you did. You beat Washington and Oregon, and you slipped up and beat and got beat by California and UCLA, a, an in-town rival. That would be just wonderful and from my standpoint.
1: And it helps our playoff chances. That's the only up with reason the
2: I like what you said was because it helps us out.
0: Does it?
1: How? Because you're
0: giving
2: you
1: Oregon, Oregon a to Washington loss, and Washington our loss. Oh, right, it, yeah. right, 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 right. That's why I thought you were thinking that the whole yeah. time. Oh, no, 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 no.
0: I, that's, that's that's icing on the that cake. That changes that's, the that's landscape gravy. of the playoff. No, that's gravy. With, with both of those. Teams no, yeah, being absolutely. Out of the that's gravy. And and honestly, I think we're in a position where we not only control our own destiny, it's, it's us or nothing in control of that destiny. I don't think we can get there back door. I don't know if we can get there from uh, a, a we lost and we still get in. I think it's possible. But it's going to be hard. So I wasn't really looking at it from that standpoint. I was just looking from the standpoint of those are two teams, If you look at the schedule, you should win those games. You're going to be struggling in those other two. And what a disappointment that would be. And how apropos would that be, being that we've seen that out of Lincoln Riley's teams so many times where they lose to opponents they should beat and and completely fumble away, pun intended, their chances of getting back into the hunt of both the the conference championship, as well as maybe being a playoff team. That's my that's my desire if they lose two. Any disagreement there about if you could pick and choose which ones it'd be?
3: I think I would – Cal, it would be hilarious. I think if I – maybe different spin. I would love to watch them go to Eugene and just get the absolute crap beat out of them. That's and true. I, I think it might happen anyways. Yeah, it's probably going um, to happen, yeah. But the chip that Dan Lanning has on his shoulder and <clears> – <throat> Lincoln hasn't had to play Dan yet in, in conference play. Um, it would be so rich to see them just be dwarfed by a good Oregon team. Um, at UCLA also, same reason, Steve. Uh, crosstown rival, a team that we just talked about not being very good. And I don't know, it just completely undercuts everything that Lincoln... Said he left for, and said he's trying to um, accomplish. It's just it completely counter counteracts that. So I think it'd be I I, if I had to choose I'd say just an ass beating by Oregon and then a crosstown rivalry
0: loss to UCLA. All of it will be fun. That's all hypothetical. In the truth, they're going to lose four games, and it's not going to matter. Um, but and, and Lucas's prediction comes true. I don't think it comes true. I think, I think he returns as the head coach. Uh, I mean, if he loses six <laughs> games this season, he may not get that NFL job. that, <laughs> he's gonna get. that NFL job that he's not going to get, he's, he may really not get it. Yeah, yeah we'll see. I don't know. Um, that'll be interesting. We're, we're definitely going to be watching that or listening to that on our way back from Kansas, but we're going to be in Kansas to watch the Sooners claim their eighth victory of the year go to eight and0 I'm excited about it. I I think that I feel, I feel fairly confident. It, it was so much so that I almost took that as a lock, uh, but we'll see. Well, I'm it's excited for some cold gear, baby. Yeah, we're going to finally get to put on the cold gear and maybe some rain gear. Some football weather. I hope that I'm, I'm shedding layers because I'm so excited that, that I'm, I'm ge- giving off a lot of heat as, as I'm celebrating the Sooner Victory.
3: We're going to take some stuff
0: before the game. It's going to make you want to shed some layers. It's so. going gonna, gonna to be pretty awesome. All right, anything else to add, guys? All right, well, uh, go to Fluke Luke Fishing at YouTube. Check him out. Um, Really appreciate his sponsorship. Really appreciate the the content he puts out there on YouTube. He's going to be watching the Sooners, I know from afar. His brothers are going to be watching the Sooners in person. Um, he actually might be at the game, no, actually. No, I, I believe he is going to be He is going to be at the game. He's we're going gonna to watch the game with Fluke Luke. Fluke that's Luke pretty is cool. Un-
3: Fluke Luke is undefeated just like the Sooners are. He and is. That's what matters. He
0: is. Well, until then, Boomer, Sooner. Sooner.
3: Sooner.